Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes, an Echo Star company. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Calvin, joined with Chuck and Brian, and today we're going to be talking about a handful of the most high-profile cyber attacks of this past year. These companies were chosen mostly at random. We wanted to discuss businesses from different verticals that were hit to show that all types of businesses are being targeted today. We're only going to talk about a handful. We're going to talk about three, but we'll try to go into as much detail as is publicly available and do a little bit of speculation to fill in the gaps when there isn't enough public information. Okay. Since many of these big companies still like to sweep as much under the rug as possible when they get hit, sometimes things aren't made available to the public. The only people that know are the people who were inside. And we're not going to have any crazy insider information. We're not going to be sharing anything that, you know, we shouldn't be sharing. But we will try to do a little bit of speculation just based off of previous or similar events to try to get a big picture of exactly what went on, how bad was it, and, and what were the financial ramifications. It's got to be embarrassing, right? If you get hit hard. It's extremely embarrassing. And that's why I won't be surprised if the two of you have maybe never even heard that these companies were hit before mm-hmm. today. So it could be a surprise to some of the listeners saying, wow, I didn't know that so-and-so suffered a big cybersecurity breach. Because just like you said, they, they don't publicize it. And there's not that many places on the web where those types of things do regularly get publicized. They will occasionally make statements where it's relevant. And maybe in some instances, they'll say to their customers who were affected, right. like, hey, Chuck, you've been a great customer of ours. We just want to <laughs> let you know. Your, <laughs> so you know. Your data is completely out in the open now. We got hit last week, and you're going to have to fend for yourself for a little while. I, I, know, I know of when airlines get hacked because... It messes up all flight plans. And mm-hmm. then I know when social media platforms that I use. But pretty much nothing else. But no, nothing else. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how the companies want it to be. There are some steps that have recently been taking. I think taken. I believe the SEC recently passed some regulations that require companies to report to them when they've been breached so that there's a little bit more publicity, a little bit more publicly available information. But uh, that was only just recently passed this past year or so. So we haven't really seen the full ramifications of that come into effect yet. But uh, before we jump into it, one disclaimer I will say before we talk about the negatives is that all of the companies we talk about today did take good steps after the fact. So I just want to point that out in terms of trying to make things right with their consumers and making sure they improve their security so it doesn't happen again. These companies, uh, you know, kept that in mind as, as they were going through these events. I want us to keep that in mind as we talk about some of their past mistakes. Sometimes even companies with decent cybersecurity can still get hit. Mm. These are events that could happen to anybody, even somebody who has taken some steps to prepare themselves, albeit you are much less likely to get hit if you take the proper precautions. So the first example we're going to look at is T-Mobile. I can just ask the two of you, were either of you aware before this that T-Mobile had recently suffered a security breach? No, and I'm a T-Mobile customer. Maybe I exactly. missed, maybe I missed an email or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, perhaps. I'm, I am as well, but I'm on I'm on my uh, parents' account, so maybe they sent her a notification, <laughs> not me. Yeah. So unfortunately, T-Mobile wasn't just hacked once, but actually twice. So they got recently? hit recently. The oh, first man. one was in 2021, and then more recently this year in 2020, this past year in 2023. Hmm. So both incidents had significant impact. So let's break them down. In in about August of 2021 was that first breach where hackers exploited vulnerabilities in T-Mobile systems to access data of millions of customers. 
So some of that data that was stolen, and Chuck, some of your data that might now be floating around oh, out there <laughs> includes your name, your date of birth, partial social security numbers, driver's license slash ID information, and that happened to about 50 million former and prospective customers who applied for credit through T-Mobile. I never did that, though. I never applied for credit. That's good. Yeah, you uh, you might be okay on that front huh. then. But I didn't even have a phone in 2021. For, uh, for 50 million <laughs> other people, it was something that could have had some pretty big impact on their daily life. There was a lot of reputational damage that occurred for the people that did hear about it. And there was actually a very large lawsuit and settlement. So T-Mobile was actually ordered to pay $350 million to their affected customers. That was the one in 2021. And then in 2023, more recently, hackers accessed customer data through a single application programming interface called an API. So wait, $350 million class action lawsuit. Correct. For $50 million exactly. customers. How, many did, how much did you get? Yeah, I guess you just have to do $5. 350 divided by $50 million. Not that much. $5. Plus the all the, the legal $5. fees. Yeah. yeah, we're getting nothing. And, and there might have been there might have only been a fraction of those customers that actually jumped in to the lawsuit as well. Yeah. Because class actions, sometimes you have to opt in. You got to opt in. So yeah. maybe only a fraction of those opted in. Like so maybe they got bucks. a decent payout. Yeah. But uh, definitely not enough to make having your information exposed online worth it. Right. In 2023, they uh, accessed uh, customer data through uh, APIs, if you don't know. They're like the bridge between apps. So if apps want to communicate with each other, they need APIs to get And those were APIs granted by T-Mobile to other forms? There's not a lot of data exactly how they utilized the API to access so much customer data. But this is something that happens a lot in cybersecurity. APIs, over the past couple of years especially, have been notorious for allowing a lot of large data breaches They're a little a doorway into the exactly. bigger system. Exactly. Granted by the company to another company. It's like when we when you fly Delta, they have a partnership. T-Mobile has a partnership with Delta that yeah. their customers get free Wi-Fi. So if I am trying to log on or log into the Wi-Fi on a Delta plane... And it says, hey, T-Mobile customers log in here. Precisely. That's a that's an example. Yeah. So they use that vulnerability to steal names, addresses, emails, phone numbers, and dates of birth for around 37 million customers. This was publicly disclosed, and they actually did something that I liked, which is they offered credit monitoring and identity theft protection services to their affected customers. So I guess they're not leaving you completely in the dust hmm. once that happens. They say, hey, Chuck, some of your personal information got leaked. Here are some free credit monitoring and identity identity theft protection services. To Somebody emptied your you bank out. account, but we're going to give you a <laughs> subscription exactly. worth $9 a month. Exactly. And, and the reason why it's so scary to have your personal information leaked is because not only will hackers start targeting you, but they can send you targeted material. So it's not just a it's not just a shot in the dark. They're not just saying, "Hey, Chuck, if that is your name, here's something we you know you might find interesting. Click this link." They know your name, your address, your email, your phone number, so they know that you're Chuck who's associated with these Instagram email accounts. They know that you're Chuck who's lives at this address in this state in the United States. So they know a lot more about you, so they can craft more believable traps for you to fall into. Hmm. And, and once they know you, yeah, they'll do some research on your social media. They'll say, oh, Brian's an athlete. Brian plays football. Brian's involved in, in sports radio. 
And they'll use those things against you when they try to reach out with those with those targeted spear phishing emails. After this breach, T-Mobile invested heavily in improving their security infrastructure. And unfortunately, the identities of the hackers behind both of these breaches in 2021 and 2023 remain publicly unknown. So the company didn't officially attribute the attacks to any group or organization. And, and this is often the case with, with cyber attacks, especially with large enterprises, for a few reasons. Unfortunately, the identities of the hackers behind both T-Mobile breaches in 2021 and 2023 remain publicly unknown. So the company didn't officially attribute the attacks to any specific group or organization. And this happens pretty often with cyber attacks, especially for large enterprises, because normally there's ongoing investigations. So law enforcement agencies might be working on identifying the perpetrators. And uh, if you disclose information prematurely, that could jeopardize mm-hmm. some of their efforts. It's also hard to attribute attacks to cyber criminals if they want to remain anonymous. If the cyber criminals don't raise their hand and say, hey, it was me, look at me. Yeah. Then yeah. it's hard to figure out who it was because there's a lot of sophisticated techniques to mask their identities online. And it's a lot harder said than done in terms of figuring out where the attack came from. Maybe it was even like a foreign attack that happened from Russia or China and uh, getting data and being able to say for certain that it came from a certain geographical location is... And these weren't like ransomware attacks where they were asking for funds and stuff, right? So there's no communication necessarily, whereas in a ransom attack, they would have some sort of, hey, deposit the money here, do this or do that, right? Yeah. So I don't think we know the full extent and, and how much communication there was in this specific scenario. They might have reached out and said, hey, T-Mobile, I have the data of 37 million of your customers, and if you don't give me what I want, then maybe I'll put some of it on the dark web. Maybe that interaction could have happened. But here's the thing. They already have the data of 37 million people. And on the dark web, you can just sell that data. So they can sell your data, Chuck, for maybe $5 a pop. Take $5 times 37 million Mm -hmm, affected customers, mm -hmm, and they might have already made their money just by stealing the information because they can go and sell it on the dark web. Those numbers vary. There, There are numbers you can look at to see how much each person's data is worth on the dark web. It does vary a little bit, but normally it's around what I told you. You can buy, I'm not saying real numbers, but these are just very approximate guesses, but you can buy someone's social security number for 40, 50 bucks. You can buy somebody's email address with their phone number and their most recent address for maybe five, ten dollars So there's the price hmm. attached to PII, personally identifiable information. All of it has a, a price on the dark web. How much does it cost for the entire profile? Everything. <laughs> yeah, no. It, you, Do I get a you discount it, if though. I get the entire? You get the Probably. package. Great. I, I almost, I guarantee you that <clears throat> do offer discounts if you were to buy it in bulk, for right. example. If you were to buy like 500 people's personally identifiable information. Yeah. Brian's I'm always asking sure like specific information about how you yeah. go about. Yeah. That's how my brain works. It's what the, it's what the people <laughs> want to know. Got to give the people what they want. But despite the lack of the confirmed identities, T-Mobile took steps to improve its security posture after the breaches. They invested more in security infrastructure. They hired additional cybersecurity personnel. And they implemented more security protocols to minimize those same vulnerabilities from happening in the future. So they took some lessons learned, especially from those APIs, and they did what they probably should have done from the beginning, which was making sure those were designed correctly so that people couldn't abuse those and steal so much data and information. Did you say that's, that's the number one way most like enterprise companies get 
hacked is through the API? No, that's not the number one way. The number one way is a lot is a lot more brain dead than that, which is just through phishing emails. Mm. Okay. But APIs are a leading way that cyber criminals are able to get their foot in the door and start exfiltrating uh, large amounts of data. So there are lots of companies. If you look at more, we're only going to talk about three today. But if you look up top cybersecurity breaches of the past couple of years, there's probably a good amount of those where you might see that they exfiltrated large amounts of data through an API. So it is a popular way for cyber criminals to, like I said, get the ball rolling. I wonder if that's because it's an API, that's the last thing you, your, a company is thinking as far as making it secure, right? Yeah. I have my front door, my back door, I have all everything secure, but as soon as I attach this to my garage, I completely exactly. go the window. Yeah, and it's a recent development because cybersecurity is, as they say, an ever-evolving landscape. Mm-hmm. It is changing on a daily basis, and cyber criminals are finding new ways to steal your data every single day. That's what their full-time job is, right? Because it's very lucrative. And uh, one of the things that they discovered that a lot of other companies haven't caught on to yet, yeah, is the vulnerabilities associated with those APIs. And uh, so that brings us to the end of that example from T-Mobile. The next one we're going to be talking about is a different vertical, the healthcare vertical, from Henry Schein. They are a major healthcare supplies distributor. And in around October of 2023... There was an attack on Henry Schein where they exploited vulnerabilities in their systems to dis- to deploy ransomware. So unfortunately, Henry Schein has not publicly disclosed the specific vulnerabilities exploited in this cyber attack, but we do know who orchestrated this one. So this one was by a cyber criminal organization known as Black Cat, and they are a notorious ransomware group. So this group specializes in deploying ransomware onto people's networks and then extracting ransomware payments from them. That that more traditional cyber criminal model that we've heard more about in the past. So they years. know it was Black Cat. Yes. But they do they know who Black Cat is? Do the authorities know oh, who, yeah. who's involved? Yeah. Like who's who makes it? And up they Black don't Cat? have they don't have names, but it's all So uh, they can't anonymous. go in and it's all anonymous. Yeah. They might have usernames associated with those people on the dark web because people from the Black Cat organization will have places where they hang out on the dark web and they'll have usernames. So they, if they might have a username like CC145. So they don't really like know that. who these individuals are. No, they don't really know. They know that there's a group. But they know that they are an organized group. And when you know that it's the same people, there are similarities that you can look for in how they go about infiltrating. And like I said, Black Cat, this one specializes in especially like ransomware. They do a lot of ransomware. So if you know the cyber criminal organization, it can at least get things started in terms of knowing where to look and who was responsible. But yeah, of course, it's of course, it's all anonymous. So you wouldn't want to raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm not part of Black Cat. It's me for obvious reasons. But there there are ongoing investigations. So we don't know exactly what the specific vulnerabilities were just because Henry Schein has not disclosed that as of yet, as of today. And that's pretty common. I think that if you look at older cybersecurity attacks, a lot more of the older ones in the past have disclosed what happened because it was so long ago, right? When it's not as relevant anymore. There's just a lot of security risks with saying how you got hacked because people might be able to use that against you in the future. If you say, hey, we got targeted by ransomware because we don't have very good protection on our APIs or we don't have very good protection on our endpoints, cyber criminals look at the news too. 
they're going to see that. They say, oh, these guys are idiots. They haven't invested in the security technology that they need. Let's go hit them again <laughs> while they're still an easy target. Yeah. There, there are some security risks in terms of saying exactly what happened and, and why you got hacked previously. That has not come out for this example yet. But there are some things we can speculate on. Based on Black Cat's known tactics and common attack vectors, we can assume that it could have been something along the lines of phishing attacks. Black Cat often utilizes phishing emails to trick employees into clicking on those malicious links, so that's a possibility. It could be unpatched software, exploiting vulnerabilities in that outdated or unpatched software is a very common ransomware tactic. Black Cat might have targeted known vulnerabilities in Henry Schein's systems or applications. And there's also the possibility of remote access tools or supply chain attacks. There have been instances in the past where Black Cat has been linked to attacks targeting software or service providers used by multiple organizations. If there's a company that has a lot of connections with other companies, sometimes if that company is compromised, then their connections can get compromised mm -hmm. as well. So that's what they call supply chain attacks. A lot of companies rely on distributors or vendors or third parties. And if those third parties have very good access into your company's systems, you need to watch out not only for your own company's security, mm -hmm. but you need to watch out for your partner's security as well. Because if your partner gets hacked, they might go through your partner into your network and you might have a serious problem, even though you weren't the one who got hacked in the first place. Interesting. Never thought of something like that, right? But that makes sense. Yeah, so you got to be careful not only who, not only for your own cybersecurity, but you got to be careful about who you who you partner with as well, and how much access you you give your partners into your network and systems. In terms of the financial impact, we do not know the exact financial impact of this one, but there are some things we can speculate on. They did pay at least millions of dollars in costs for remediation, lost business, and reputational damage. And then there are potential, there is the potential compromise of sensitive personal and financial information of the Henry Schein employees, customers, and partners. And also, when you're associated with the healthcare industry, there are a lot of possible fines that the government can impose upon you after a cyber attack as well. Like HIPAA, GDPR, if you have a foothold in, in, in the EU, if you suffer from a cyber attack, a lot of times the government will step in and say, hey, did you have sufficient protection in place? And if the answer is no, they'll slap you with a huge fine on top of everything else that you just had to go through as well. Going to kick you while you're down, right? Huh? Kick you while you're down, just like exactly, the, just like the government. Yep, pretty much. And so, like we said, they spent millions on incident response, forensics, and there were a lot of recovery efforts to mitigate the damage. The attack's operational impact undoubtedly led to lost sales, productivity disruptions potential supply chain delays. And then on top of that, the data breach also damaged their public image and trust amongst consumers and some of their other partners. So that could obviously potentially affect future business opportunities as well. Yeah, the reputation, you, can, you it's not quantifiable up front, right? Initially, exactly. down the road, man, reputation is huge. Yeah, who knows how many maybe like future potential deals they lost out right. on. Mm, yeah. Maybe there were million dollar deals they were looking at with other partners, but when they suffered that cybersecurity breach, the partners back out and say, no, we don't really want anything to do with you right now. You got to get your security in check. That definitely happens all the time. They do try to sweep it under the rug from consumers for the most part, but for savvy consumers who keep an eye on this sort of thing, 
they'll hear that. And then the consumers will normally get scared off as well and say, yeah, maybe I'm going to go with another healthcare provider. And, and Henry, Shrine, Henry Shine is healthcare, what exactly? Yeah, so they are a major healthcare supplies distributor. Okay, so supplies. They do a lot of stuff with dentistry. That's what oh, I see them the most with. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of dentistry stuff going on. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it seems like they're a distributor, right? So there probably are a lot of third companies, oh, third-party yeah, companies sure, yeah. that they work with. Yeah, I, it, it's probably a nightmare to consider what those uh, the ripple effect was when, when they suffered that breach. Okay. Adding up these confirmed and estimated costs, the financial impact is undoubtedly significant, potentially reaching tens of millions or even higher, right? Additionally, that long-term reputational damage, like you said, Brian, and potential litigation. Remember the example from T-Mobile where they had to pay $350 million as to their affected customers? A similar thing could happen in this instance as well. So there are also litigation legal fees that you might have to pay if you expose people's information when you shouldn't have it's scary stuff it's scary it's not stuff. worth it right yeah, so the, that's, that's the story point. is that you you get prepared yeah you do yeah. it right the first time yeah. exactly yeah the last example that i have is, is a really <clears throat> interesting one because it's a it's a different kind of data that was exposed in this one and and that is the uh 23andme cyber attack Ooh, 23andme this is the only because they're not like a they're not it seems interesting that they would go after them but i guess they do have they have data. They have so much data. That's their whole thing. Who was that? What's 23andMe? The DNA test, right? 23andMe, yeah. They are a service where you do, they do DNA tests. They figure out like your ancestry, your DNA, your genetics. Like ancestry. Which places you originate? Like, which a little countries? bit like ancestry.com. Yeah, very similar to that. So, so they, I haven't done it, but they, what, they mail you a little kit. You do saliva or something. You mail it back. They test it, analyze it. They give you results of, hey, you have 2% Native mm. American in your blood, or you come from wherever, Greece or Ireland or, or That's whatnot. exactly right. Yeah. And so this happened pretty recently, just in October of 2023. And this is one of the only ones that I actually remember hearing about on the news. So there actually was a, a decent amount of publicity behind this one, which I was happy to see because I think that they should be a little bit more publicized so customers are aware what, what's happening to the companies they do business with. But this one involved stolen DNA data. Interesting. So it raised a lot of concerns. So not, not financial data, not like personal information, yeah. but like All DNA. of that too. All of that too. Oh, that in addition. And the, to DNA, the DNA data. Yep. Interesting. So it raised a lot of concerns about genetic privacy and the vulnerability of sensitive personal information, right? Yeah, no kidding. We actually have a little bit of a timeline on how this one shook out. It all happened very quickly, within the span of, of one or two months. But there was a threat actor who posted on a dark web forum claiming they had access to millions of 23andMe user profiles. Somebody who was just on the dark web said, hey, I've got millions and millions of people's customer data probably looking for a buyer, right? Shortly afterwards, 23andMe confirms that there was a breach. They try to downplay it at first. The only thing they acknowledged at the beginning was that somebody had access to a, quote, small percentage of user accounts. But further investigation revealed the access involved credential stuffing using compromised login credentials from other websites. Somehow they were able to figure out login information. Apparently it was login information that came from other compromised websites. So they got the compromised website login and they were able to get into the systems and somebody must have not had multi-factor authentication turned on because they were able to just plug in those old passwords and, and find their way right into the systems. And when they did a little bit more investigation, it, it became 
revealed just how shockingly bad this was. There were about 6.9 million user profiles and 1.4 million family tree connections that were accessed. A lot more than what they wanted to show at the beginning. And some of that information included ancestry reports, DNA relative profiles, and uh, some family tree data as well. So I've got to ask the question, what would a criminal do with DNA profile information from somebody? That's a great question. I I think that there's a lot of businesses who would be interested in knowing genetic information of their customers, especially like in the healthcare industry. This is just one example, probably out of a million, but think of like insurance companies. If they were able to access mm. your genetic information, they know they what said, kind of risk you are. Yeah, they said, Chuck, we just looked at your whole family tree for the past 200 years. And we know that Chuck's family has a history of heart disease. We're going to raise your premiums because we think that you're going to pass away mm. at 65 instead of 75. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just a lot of incredibly valuable ways you could apply that genetic. So, so the question I have now is that if you have all this ill-gotten, stolen information, and you're trying to sell it to legitimate companies like insurance companies or healthcare companies. Is that, is there really a market between the two? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question as well. I would say that there probably is. I think that the line between the dark web and the corporate world is, is probably at least a little bit more blurred than you think, especially when it comes to other countries like oh, China yeah, yeah. that are a lot less regulated they are a lot more willing to jump on information like that. And so uh, you have to think that not everybody is as honest as we like to be on, ethics, on the corporate side. It's an ethics thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge ethics that, that's dilemma. The, that's, that's the difference. And that's once some of those ethical things, or I would say challenges are overcome by the population, we go, oh yeah, we deem this to be okay now. Things that were regulated in the past aren't going to be anymore in the future, mm, right? right? And we, we're going to sit back and we, we're going to say, man, remember when they couldn't do this, they couldn't do this, and now they have access to all this? It's because us hmm. as, a, as a society says, we yes. We let it happen. Yeah, yeah, we let it happen. Things that are valuable right now that are related from an ethics standpoint, that's where the companies go to yeah, and places and, like this and, and people like that to, to get that information. And here's just another way off the top of my head, thinking about it, the way that they could leverage that data. How many times have you put an answer to a security question about your mom's maiden name for for website? How many times have you said, yeah, what's your mom's maiden name as a security question? question. (laughs) Nobody from this 23andMe hack should ever put that down ever again. Ever again. (laughs) You know what I mean? And some of that information from your family tree can be leveraged in probably hundreds of other ways that we can't even think about right now. I think medically the medical industry for sure there's a conspiracy i'm smiling brian <laughs> likes the conspiracy. Yeah, I, I don't really like them there a lot of them are unfortunate one of them is taking a, a covid test right because you get the saliva mm-hmm. and and that so that's one of the conspiracies was not everybody they, surrendered their dna, their DNA yeah i can yeah. see it mm-hmm. and so in terms of remediation efforts uh after this hack occurred 23andme obviously they went and hired some cybersecurity firms to investigate the attack implemented some more security improvements to address the data breach to make sure that it couldn't happen in the same way again. They probably got multi-factor authentication, which they mm-hmm. which they definitely should have had beforehand. These efforts involve significant financial resources, obviously. They did another they did the same thing that that Henry Schein did that I like, which was they offered credit monitoring and identity theft protection services to affected users. But that also incurs additional expenses when you have to mm. pay for that for 
millions of people. That adds up pretty quick. And there also is, I don't know, I need to do some more research if there's a current lawsuit ongoing. If there isn't, there probably will be very soon of the affected users or families who are going to want to initiate some legal action to seek compensation. Those lawsuits, those can drag on for years, and they typically have a pretty hefty price tag at the end. In, in most of the examples that we've talked about today where anybody's data is compromised, there's a good chance you're going to see a lawsuit attached to the end of those financial ramifications as well. Crazy. Those are the three that I really wanted to talk about. And the point to drive this all home is at the end of the day, getting hit by a cyber attack, it can turn your entire business upside down overnight. And what does every company that we talked about today have in common with these cyber attacks? The answer is, the next day, they magically find the budget to hire additional security, <laughs> right? So the point that I want to drive home is, is we shouldn't be waiting until after the cyber attack to get prepared. It is not worth it. You're going to spend, at, at the bare minimum, you're going to spend millions. On the high end, you're going to spend hundreds of millions. Take the steps, take the precautions now to get that security in place so you don't turn into one of these examples. Because if you have less security than the people around you're painting a target on your back. The example that I like is a group of people running away from a bear in the woods in that you just you don't want to be the slowest one. Right. <laughs> as long Tracks. as you're not the slowest one, you're going to be fine. And that the same thing goes with cybersecurity. Let them target the people who have less security than you do. They say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. There you go. It's going to be definitely cheaper in the in the beginning right precisely if there's one thing that i think people should take away it's that yeah having that preparedness having that peace of mind and not having to be somebody who funds cybercrime through your mistakes or negligence is definitely the side of history that you want to be on at the end of the day it's it's funny because i i think a lot of people would not protect would not protect their home right like you have security you might have a gun you may have cameras set up i don't see why it would be any difference in not having that for your business exactly and i think it's just how it's a new type of threat that a lot of people a lot of businesses just aren't used to dealing with yet mm-hmm. this has only been a thing for as at least as long as the internet has been around right. but even more recent than that cybercrime is something that's really risen within the past 20 years or so. And a lot of businesses, I think, have just been really slow to adapt, slow to find the budget for it, and they don't understand how dreadful it is to get hit until it actually happens to them. And it's not until it happens to them at least once and they get that awful experience under their belt where they really start to take it seriously and say, hey, we need to make sure this never happens to us again. I I would imagine most businesses at least big businesses like large enterprise medium would have some security in place but maybe not enough maybe not the right kind maybe it hasn't evolved maybe they haven't adapted to the there's a lot of complacency there's a lot of complacency because they say we've been doing this for five years and we haven't had any incidents right why do we need to why do we need to spend more why do we need to try to you know use all this new technology what we have has been working and it's been working for the past five ten years And uh, that complacency is what gets you because the cyber criminals are always evolving. Mm -hmm. And if you're not constantly improving your cybersecurity posture, sooner or later, you're going to fall behind. Darwinism. Exactly. Survival of the fittest. Evolution. Yeah, you got to adapt. So a little plug for Hughes. We are a podcast that's presented by Hughes. We offer at Hughes... 
cybersecurity managed cybersecurity services. And we do a really good job of staying ahead of the game. So we've implemented a lot of AI and machine learning, uh, MDR, EDR, uh, SASE, some of the most recent, most highly touted cybersecurity tools and technology we offer today in, in a comprehensive solution that fits businesses of all sizes. Calvin, this has been a, a great conversation and very fascinating. I think the, the three examples you picked are all very different, but at the same time, they learned similar lessons. Yes, thank you. And yeah, we'll catch you all in the next one.